You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Packernet Podcast. I am your guest host and fanalist, JJ Leahy, filling in for Ryan Schlipp today. I got Coach Brian Hahn on the line, longtime friend of the show, and we are going to have a blast today talking about Julio Jones and why the Packers didn't trade for him. I'm kidding. We're not wasting time with that. So here, here's the skinny. I just got back from a almost a week-long trip. I'm home for less than 24 hours, and I'm heading right back out on a second trip. And I'm recording two podcasts tonight, so you're going to hear this one Monday morning, and then I'm not sure which day Ryan is posting the next one. But while I was gone, I got a call from Coach Hahn, who got to have an awesome experience with Coach Justin Outen of the Green Bay Packers. He is the tight ends coach. And Coach called me, and he was super geeked out about some of the cool stuff he learned talking to Coach Outen, and he wanted to share it all with you. So we are going to give him the platform to do that. And uh, first, I just got to say, hey, Coach, welcome to the actual Packernet Podcast. I believe this is your inaugural debut appearance on the Packernet Podcast. Yo, thanks for having me, JJ. I feel like I, I made it big time now. This is um, <laughs> stuff here. So I'm going to have to get a hold of my agent and see if we can't um, up the offerings on this one. <laughs> All right. I tell you what, I will pay you double what I usually pay you for when you appear on the Daily Cheese. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's a very generous offer. We'll we'll look through the terms of it and get back to you. We've been on the Daily Cheese with me, gosh, at least a dozen times. You have appeared on No Huddle Radio with me and uh, Gil Martin. Now you're on Backernet Podcast, uh, partly because I'm nice enough to actually bring you on here. You know, <laughs> Ryan doesn't like to share the limelight, but uh, you know, when when you're working with me, you get perks. I appreciate that, man. Hey, I caught some awesome fish uh, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. There were three of us guys up there. We caught about 100 fish uh, over the last three days there. Hauled in some beautiful walleye. Quite a few walleye in my freezer right now. So, very successful trip. That's awesome, man. Good for you. Hey, let's talk about Coach Outen and and tight ends. Let's, Let's give a quick overview of the tight end room for the Packers as it stands right now. So over the last three years, that room has kind of taken um, an evolutionary path here. Uh, you have kind of some different distinct types of tight ends on the roster right now to to really allow Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett run all the different things that their offense needs to. You got uh, Mercedes Lewis is obviously a, a big part of the blocking game. Not that he's not a factor in the receiving game, but uh, blocking first and foremost, I think. Jay Sternberger probably is supposed to, and and, uh, Bobby Tunney are supposed to fill that uh, Jimmy Graham role and and really be more of your uh, typical inline receiving tight end. Isn't that that correct? And then you got uh, Josiah DeGuara, and last year you had Dominique Daphne as well. 
uh, really play in that F H-back position that allows for a lot of creative play calling from Coach LaFleur. Absolutely. So uh, I guess one of the things that Outen kind of led off the – so a little background here real quick um, for the listeners. I was able to get into a chalk talk session uh, with Justin Outen. Um, pretty small session, really, really fun to – you know, get to ask him questions uh, scheme-wise and some other questions. So um, ended up being just an unbelievable time. He's a great dude. You know, ex-offensive lineman, was the starting center at Syracuse. Um, you know, took the high school path, and then eventually some doors opened up, went to the Falcons, and then he met Lafleur, and then, you know, that's how he ended up in Green Bay. So hmm. um, he's got that definitely got that offensive line mindset, um, and you can see it come out in a lot of the film that he was, you know, kind of sharing with us and showing us. So, um just kind of a brief background on him. Very, very intelligent dude. Very charismatic. Super funny. Um, just a great guy. And and he kind of let it off. Um, started the whole kind of meetup by saying that Green Bay really has, just like you said, those three different tight ends um, that they're looking for. It's not a simple position group by any means. Um, they have what they call their Y tight end, who is your your essentially an extension of the offensive line, right? A sixth sure. offensive lineman that you can get out. Um, into the flats and do some hot stuff with or or um, get some option routes off of. But primarily, they're there to block it and do it well. Um, then they have what they call the duel, which is more of that Jace role or that Bobby Tunyon role, um, ah. where they're definitely going to they're definitely going to get in and um, hit a little bit. They're definite factors in the run game, um, but they can go ahead and, and spread that sucker out. And then they have the guys that they like to kind of tuck into the backfield almost a, a fullback type that they can spread out to a wing and stuff. And that's your Dominique Daphne type um, who's going to go ahead and float around, um, can lead block. Um, DeGuara did a little bit of it as well last year for you in that Viking game. Um, lead block for you on an inside backer, you know, split out, uh, short pass protection, that sort of stuff. Um, so they, they really have three different types of, of bodies that they're really looking for. And on mm -hmm. top of that, tight end is such a – a difficult position to coach because not only do you have three different types of dudes, so you're really looking at like an X receiver, an M receiver, and kind of that um, big possession type of guy. So you, you have all these three different body types. And then you're also really looking at, you know, you got three different positions that you're coaching. You have to know the, the offensive line pass pro schemes. You really have to be solid in, you know, the offensive line run schemes. You got to know all of your route combos. And then you might be coming out of the backfield, you know, and, and lead blocking in an ISO power type of attack. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, they don't get a whole lot of time. So the stuff that they're able to do in Green Bay um, with the resources that they have at tight end, it's, it's pretty incredible. And then um, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more here. But then understanding some of the complexities that they use to really take advantage of defense, it's, it's incredible. It was so much fun, man. Tell me again what you told me on the phone about how little time they have to work with those tight ends. Because that yeah. blew my mind. Uh, uh, Outen essentially kind of chuckled and said, you know, in a, in a given practice, when you're in in season um, and you're in a given practice, you get eight minutes of indie time a day um, for the tight ends. So you get eight minutes of practice time. And obviously practice are, are limited, you know, by the NFLPA and that sort of stuff. So time's a factor. Um, but you have eight minutes to work with them on technique and all of those, you know, devil in the detail type stuff. And then some dudes are off with the offensive line, you know, other dudes are out with receivers or you might be running with the tailbacks or, you know, you don't really know. So 
Um, it's a very, very difficult position to coach. I coached it one year um, when I was I was primarily coaching outside linebackers um, my first year here in McFarland, and then I had a small role on offense coaching our tight ends. And it's, I mean, it's it's tough. There's there's a lot going on, and these these guys got to be really intelligent on top of being incredibly athletic. So sure. it's it's yeah, something you, else, man. You told me on the phone that uh, Coach Elton said, "Yeah, I'll go to." Matt and say, can I just get 30 more seconds with these guys? Yeah, all the time. He I'm, said it's a, a daily battle between those two, <laughs> and uh, it's a battle that he's yet to win. He said he's 0-93 up here. So. I'm, I'm curious if he mentioned, um, or, or if you know, when those guys all split off and they're all working with the different position groups, what is Coach Outen usually working on? So he's usually, my my guess is, he's usually, usually going to be shoring up those floater players. So he's going to okay. like, let's say a Bobby Tunyon. And obviously this is just a guess. He didn't say anything like that, but you know, he might be over with Bobby Tunyon and pass pro making sure that, you know, he knows exactly what he has to do for three minutes there and then float him off to receivers and work your route combos or your, you know, your, your comp routes on the backside of a smash game or something like that. Um, so my guess is he floats, but again, I don't know that. All right, so I want you to um, go ahead and talk some more about the tight ends and some of the cool stuff you learned. But right before we jump into that, I just want to clear it for listeners. Um, we don't have any inside information from Coach Houghton <laughs> about any uh, big-name players who may or may not be attending. Uh, we, have, we have zero new information to share with you about that. It's not Coach Houghton's wheelhouse and not something that he was talking to us about at all. So let's hear about tight ends, though. we got a lot of information about tight ends. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the the tight ends are obviously a huge factor in Green Bay. You see a lot of 13 personnel, 12 personnel, 11 personnel. They do like getting those dudes on the field, right? Um, a couple of different ways they like to use them. Obviously, we've seen tight ends split out wide. You know, We saw it in the very first game, the very first snap against Minnesota in 2020. Josiah uh, DeGuar is out wide um, and off the line. Uh, they love their tight ends off the line as much as possible. That way they can put them in motion. They can get some trade motion um, or or um, flip and zip and zap and all these different motions as long as that tight end's off the line. So they really do their best to keep their tight ends off the line. Um, save for Mercedes Lewis, you know, he's usually their inline tight end. He's going to come down on a, a five-tech defensive end or something like that. So for the most part, they're going to try to keep at least one of their tight ends off the line. There's still a whole lot of defenses in the NFL that set their defensive strength to the tight end. You know, mm. so if you get into what we call a trio set or some people call it nubs or whatever you want to call it, yep. where there's one tight end closing off the side of the offensive line and then three receivers away, you know, usually in a divorce coverage type of look, the defense is still going to set their defensive line and linebacker strength to the tight end side and then float the coverage. So a lot of times if you're able to close it off there with Mercedes Lewis um, or Bob Tunyon, one of those inline tight ends. Uh, you can pull some of those inside linebackers away from your slot guys and just open up a little more space over there. So that's one of the kind of insights that I got where it's so the the whole magic of this whole thing, JJ, was like it's so simple. Like it is just it's it's unbelievably simple when you start breaking it down. But it's still one of those like, oh, duh moments, you know, like, right. Dude, I've been around the game of football most of my adult life and I would have never, ever thought of this. And then you look at it and it's like, oh, yeah. So going back to some of the motion stuff, man, Green Bay steals gaps like you wouldn't believe. It is so, like, he had, like, 11 film clips just bam, 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 bam of them, 
literally just zapping or or zinning a tight end across the the formation going from right to left and just flipping that right to left and snapping the ball so many times you caught defenses misaligned to where green bay was able to steal a gap now on top of that you start getting a a guy out there who can actually reach block and then you can steal a gap that way and all sorts of crazy stuff that's just so simple so what you're talking about is creating mismatches getting moving the strength of the line from one side to the other right Correct. Yeah. So when we talk about um, stealing gaps, I guess, uh, thanks for that. I should have clarified that. When we talk about stealing gaps, essentially what we're talking about is um, getting more blockers to one side of the ball than they have defenders. You know, Mm -hmm. if if you have more blockers. So the way we set it is we think about splitting the center in half. You know, so if you've got a tight end on the left, you essentially have three and a half blockers going to the left side. Now, if you flip that tight end from the left to the right to where you have three and a half over there and the defense doesn't adjust correctly, well, you've just stolen a gap. Now you are, you have three and a half blockers to the right and they may only have three defenders there. Well, that's you, you've stolen a gap. You know, you're what we call plus one. So they do that very well and they disguise it very well. Um, it's really cool to see, you know, some jet motion come across and get set and then flip a tight end and get all those linebackers eyes all, all crazy and stuff like that. So, um, unbelievably simple stuff. It's kind of hard to describe, I guess, on a podcast, you know, I'd have to show you on film and stuff, but unbelievable, simple stuff for a lot of it that just at the NFL level, I couldn't believe like, wow, yeah, that's, that's working. Like, how do you not get these players defensively ready to go in that? And, and I think a lot of uh, listeners are really used to the idea of, you know, running that jet sweep with a uh, wide receiver or running back right before the play, doing it with a tight end. How how unique is that in the NFL uh, that, that the Packers are doing that or are a lot of teams doing that? Um, I haven't really seen a, a jet motion or, you know, like a fly sweep motion with a lot of tight ends. Um and, and I haven't seen the Packers do that a lot, but I have seen them trade a lot, you know. So start on one side, flip over. You know, the cool thing about motion is you don't have to get set if you're not moving forward. So you can slowly just walk across the line and snap the ball. Like, that's all good. Um, but they do have very, very predetermined spots in which they need to insert then in the blocking scheme. So right. he essentially, like, out and essentially said, I tell these guys, go at the pace that's comfortable to you. You know, as you're... As you're flying across, you we know you're not a huh. threat to to grab the ball and <laughs> and get around the edge, you know. So get to a spot where it's comfortable for you to get set that doesn't put in a, in a bad position against the play clock, and then make sure you have the ability to execute from there. He calls it smart split, where he has the, he gives them the freedom to go ahead and get them to a, an advantage in in their blocking scheme, and then from there uh, take advantage of it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. What is the difference between an F and a fullback? Good question. I think your your fullback um, traditionally, and it, it, it may just be semantics, really, um, but your fullback traditionally doesn't go out into a ton of wing sets, you know, where they're one by one off the tackle or they're one by one off the tight end. There's some teams that definitely do it. San Francisco definitely does that, um, gets into a wing set. But the tough thing about it is if you're the opposing defensive coordinator, or you're the guy up in the box and you're looking at personnel, right? And you're on the field and you're like, okay, they're in 11 personnel, let's say, um, where they got a tight end and a running back on the field. And that tight end now has the ability to get from that inline tight end into the backfield and become a lead blocker there. You know, the defense is in kind of a pickle. You went from 11 personnel to 20 personnel and you didn't sub anybody in. And since the offense didn't sub anybody, you know, the defense probably doesn't have time to sub anyone. You know, they're not, the offense doesn't have to stop and wait for the defense now to sub because the offense didn't sub anybody. So I think that's where the value of those guys comes in is you can have DeGuara split out wide and it's looking like you're in, you know, 20 personnel or 21 personnel, excuse me. And then he can come back in and you could be at 31. It's, it's, it's a tough thing. So it does flip some of that personnel stuff for him a little bit. That's interesting. What else did you learn from Coach Outen? Um, so I was, I was geeking out big time on the run game stuff. Um, there were some <laughs> other guys that were really interested in what they do with the throw game. Um, and that's not really my forte, but I do like the way that they hide their tight ends. They do an unbelievable job of, of hiding them or getting the eyes off of their tight ends. And that's when you see the explosive plays happen. I've seen some of those tight ends. Those are big guys to try and hide. Yeah, but it's crazy, right? Because if we go back to that Bears game where late in the game, Green Bay ran wide zone down the field on him four times in a row. And then you you essentially hid Bobby Tunyon with a corner post um, right down the field for, for six and essentially untouched. So... Um, they're very masterful at that and they are really, really good at getting their big bodies on small dudes. They understand Mm. if we're going to see a zone team, we're going to get our big dudes split out wide. You know, Minnesota, they knew would come out in zone right away. First play of the game. So DeGuara is way up there wide, you know, and, and he's one-on-one against a corner. Now they eventually, you know, bring him back in and tuck him into the backfield and run some, some wide zone lead on it. But it's one of those things that Green Bay does really well is they're always looking for that mismatch, and they're masterful at the line of scrimmage, you know, formations and then motions to get that mismatch. And it's it's incredible. I can remember one play he showed us in particular that I thought was just awesome. Um, the Packers were in uh, 21 personnel, or excuse me, 12 personnel. They had one running back and two tight ends on the field. Um, so... They had a a tight end down, I believe it was Tunyon, and then a wing off of him, you know, and they were both tight end. What's a wing? 
a wing is a, a guy one yard off the line of scrimmage and one yard outside of the last man on the line of scrimmage. So okay. if you don't have a tackle over there, it would be, or if you don't have a tight end over there, excuse me, it would be the tackle. So he'd be one yard behind the tackle and one yard outside of him in what we call a wing position. And then if there's a tight end there closing it off, that's in line, um, he'd be one by one off of him. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's just a good way to put somebody there and set the strength of the formation and still be able to motion them. So I remember they were in that look with a, a closed uh, tight end, um, closing the line off, and then they had a wing and then a receiver off on the same side. And the far side receiver went in jet motion fast across the line. And um, as soon as that happened, the wing ran a little post and the online tight end ran a little wheel or just a little outside and up. And it was essentially they were running two on one because all the eyes of the defense went to the jet motion. So <laughs> um, it's just it's unbelievable. Um, That's great. The way that they're able to hide these guys and and um, put defenses in conflict. It's so much fun to watch, man. Well, and it's a lot more fun watching the Packers do it to other teams. It's not so much fun when we're watching uh, Tampa Bay uh, match Gronk up with Chandon Sullivan. That's. I, I could go the rest of my life without watching that ever again. <laughs> totally, man. And that's another thing that he brought up, uh, not specific to Tampa Bay, but that's one of the things that they love to do. If they see that you're a nickel and you want to stay in nickel, um, Alton, Alton will be in the headset screaming, let's get to 13 personnel. Eventually, one of these little dudes is going to have to try to cover one of our big dudes. And, I mean, you can be as athletically gifted with the perfect play call as you want. Sometimes biology just wins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to win a whole lot of jump balls over Dennis Rodman. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the theory that they're going with, and it's been very successful for them. So right. it's it's simple, and it looks incredibly complex to the rest of us. It's awesome. All right, let's talk about, a little about the Y tight end again. Here's a word that stuck out to me when uh, I was looking over some of the d- notes that you had. First word that jumps out, unselfish. Yep. Absolutely. Um, And he hammered that home, hammered that home, showed us a ton of film clips of run plays where these dudes have to, you know, get down the field. I I remember Tennessee in particular, uh, that week 16 game had a lot of clips on that. Um, The San Fran game um, of 2020 had a lot of clips of these dudes just bullying guys down the field in the run game and celebrating like they just, you know, like like they just caught a, a 60 yard pass. You know, it's they absolutely mandate that you buy in to the the run blocking scheme um it was kind of it was actually really cool one of my favorite quotes from him um came out he's like hey we can draft really good wide receivers here that's fine if all you can do is catch the ball you can go play in the canadian league (laughs) (laughs) um so you know he mandates that in his room he's a he's a physical guy a fiery guy um likes to preach violence of action and all that sort of stuff he's certainly a technician with the way he teaches these guys to block. And uh, another thing that stood out um, unbelievably well is when those when those blockers get out of phase, when their tight ends get out of phase, when you get in your body in a bad position halfway through the block, how to fight back on it. And as we watch film, we see it pop up again and again, like, yo, these dudes get in a bad position. And a lot of times in the NFL, that's the end of the block. These dudes fight their tails off and come back through and, and really crush it. So it's it's just unbelievable to see um and it's really really exciting if you're a packer fan so the why again that's the mercedes lewis role um i have 
uh, question that keeps turned over and over in my mind here, and that is outside of Mercedes, who else primarily is, is taking snaps at that position there? Uh, especially, let's say that we lose Mercedes to injury or something. As far as you know right now, who's next man up? Um, you, you've seen Tunyon a lot in line. Um, he he doesn't have any fears of, of getting around the line of scrimmage. But for my money, I would say it would probably be Dominique Daphne um, mm-hmm. and that type um, because he's just so physical. You know, he's a very uh, – Outen kept saying he's just such a high-character dude. Um, all he wants to do is block and hit people. He seems like a, a defensive tackle out there playing because all he wants to do is just be engaged and be in that phone booth. The one liability he's going to have is he's not as gifted in any of the option route abilities or, you know, any of that hot stuff. You know, Mercedes is, is the better overall athlete. Um, so I guess for your guys' sake, we're, we're hoping nothing happens to Sadie's. Um, 37 years old, still playing his tail off. Um, Outen's really high on him as well, but, you know, it – it could be any of these guys. Tunyon's shown he's got he's got a little lead in him. He's not afraid. Um, DeGuire, I think the the jury's still out on simply because, you know, we just haven't got to see the kid play a lot. Sternberger seems to be kind of more of that receiving threat. Um, but I'm sure if anybody can can get that dude unloading at the line of scrimmage, it's probably Outen. Yeah. And of course, one of the most important number one responsibilities of that position is pass protection. That's crucial. Absolutely. And it keeps coming up again and again in the film stuff that he showed. And it's really neat to see because the Packers have so much faith in their tight ends, especially in the pass protection game. Like I've said it time and time again, but I'll say it, you know, one more time, usually with green Bay, you've got a hundred million dollar man behind you and they trust them so much that they'll set their pass protection schemes away from the tight end. So you're literally asking a tight end who wears many, many hats, kind of a jack of all, master of none type of guy, to block a defensive end whose literal only job and and get paid a lot of money is to beat the dude across from him. So you'll watch all the double teams flow away from the tight end, and you're one on one. You're in lock protection. You are one on one on that outside tech. You're, I mean, we're talking about the JJ Watts and the Von Millers of the world, and yeah, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of times they're they're not devastating blocks. They're not, you know, highlight reel, but you're keeping them off your QB, and that's all you got to ask for. So um, they love to do that. They love to bring in tight ends when when the defense loads the box. Um, they're like, okay, if you want to play smash mouth football, we, we can go do that too. Um, and then the play action game off of that stuff is just nasty. So, Coach, you put together a pretty awesome video. Uh, I think it's up in the Facebook group right now, but if it's not, it'll be up uh, pretty soon, I believe. Um, and unfortunately, some of the stuff you just you know need to have film in order to be able to show it. So, you know, the podcast is obviously not the perfect medium for that. But can you break down what you can of what's in the video uh, here on the podcast? You know as much as you can without being able to actually point to guys and, and show us what they're doing. Well, for sure, man. Um, this video, the first video I did on it focuses exclusively on the run game. Um, because that's what I want. I, I make the videos and I want to talk about the run game. So there it is, you know, um, but if somebody else wants to talk about something else. They can make their own videos. Exactly, man. Exactly. You know, I geek out over the run game. Um, I guess I'm a nerd like that, but no, the, uh, the video is on the run game, a couple of the things that I learned on it, and it hits on a few of the things that we've talked about already, you know, how they steal gaps. It gives good visual clues on how gaps are stolen, um, shows some of the motion stuff they use, and then it really, really hammers on the physicality 
of this tight ends room for Green Bay. So I, mm-hmm. I show three different video clips in there. Um, I believe the first one is that DeGuara clip uh, where he's running lead coming from the outside slot against the Minnesota Vikings. We got a clip of Daphne in there um, just just unloading on a poor, unsuspecting cornerback from from Tennessee. And then the last one is probably my favorite one of all, and it's just Mercedes Lewis being a dude against a premier pass rusher and a pretty good run blocker in Jason Pierre-Paul um, against the Buccaneers in that championship game. And um, you get just a glimpse at the end of that clip of what kind of coach Oten is. Um, so if y'all get a chance, um, check that out. Um, I had a whole lot of fun making it as I'm watching it again, actually. Um, I was watching it again just, I think, last night or this morning or something just to kind of shore things up. I'm like, man, I am talking way too much in the beginning of this video. So <laughs> I promise, moving forward, I'm just going to shut up and get to the video clips and, and not go through all that. So, yo, if you want to... Please just- don't. The, the more... The, the more- uh, wisdom and explanation that you can shower us with, uh, the more we can learn. Hey man, it's not wisdom if I steal it. So I just, <laughs> I literally took what I got from out and I took a ton of notes and just, uh, tried to regurgitate it best I could to, to all of us. So, um, if you want to go ahead and just skip those first couple minutes, I'm not going to be offended. And when guys start <laughs> running around on the screen, um, that's when things get really, really interesting, but I stole a bunch of film from him, took a bunch of film from Outen. um, really been breaking that down and it's all stuff that, you know, we have access to via Game Pass and stuff like that um, on the coaches' films. So it's all stuff I had access to, but I didn't see it the way he sees it, you know. Um, so I, that's been kind of my weekend here is, is going through Packer film and watching these tight ends and just being blown away, you know, at the consistency of it when you have multiple hats, when you have multiple different bodies and positions and just how consistent these guys are. I think you guys are kind of spoiled as a fan base, to be honest with you. Oh, my gosh, um, Absolutely. Because you, you, you do have the ability to not think about tight ends, you know, and, and what a luxury that is. You don't have right to- now. Historically, that has not been the case. <laughs> the tight end room has been a disaster up until these last couple of years. Heck, just a couple of years ago, we were uh, suffering through the Jimmy Graham experience. I don't know how Coach Outen feels about uh, Jimmy Graham and that experience, but I know that we as a fan base were not too um, disappointed to see him head off to Chicago. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, Jimmy is, is probably a fine player. Good dude. A, a fine human being, but he would definitely fall into, you know, more of the pass-catching role as opposed to the blocking role. But um, I understand you guys have had your struggles back in the past, but right now you're in a really, really good spot. You've got really good depth right now at tight end and um, and a, a really, really good guy working them. So when you understand that they get eight minutes of indie time a day in practice, um, and then to come out and execute the way they do and also have roles on special teams and that sort of stuff, like you have to be incredibly intelligent with the game and you have to be taught incredibly well and incredibly efficiently. Um, and I think that's what's happening up there in Lambeau. Speaking of depth, I'm curious, do you, did you have any sort of uh, finger on the pulse of how DeGuara and his, his uh, I believe he had an ACL tear, how his injury is progressing, did, did Outen at all mention whether he is expecting to be, um, you know, getting Deguara back for this year or, or if he's going to kind of be held back by that injury? Um, he kind of hinted at it. You know, obviously there wasn't anything, you know, confirmed or whatever. But as he's talking us through some of his film clips, he said, you know, excited to have this guy back. And to me, that means, yeah, he's, he's probably progressing where you want him to. But um, again, I don't know. I, 
I certainly don't take that as confirmation. I don't think anybody else should, but it, it is a positive note. You know, it's a, it, it's definitely moving in the right direction. Well, Coach, I super appreciate you coming on here and uh, sharing what you learned. Everybody, go check out the video. Again, I believe it's in the Facebook group. If not, it will be up very shortly. And also, follow Coach Han on Twitter, at Coach Han. And, uh, of course, over on the YouTube, the um, Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel as well. Pretty much all the social media I use, bud. I'm not on TikTok. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Publicly, I'm definitely not on TikTok. I don't know. What rumors are going around that I'm, you know, have a, a secret TikTok account, but I absolutely do not. <laughs> Yo, JJ, I really appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks for giving me my big Packernet break here. Hey, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, how much you've taught me about football. I appreciate you uh, putting a ton of hours into watching film, getting familiar with this team because, you know, again, you're you're not a Packer fan, but you're a massive football fan, and uh, it's been just a blast going through this and, and uh, being a part of you learning the roster and, and getting excited about guys that we already love. Super appreciate you coming on here, giving up a bunch of your evening to uh, talk football with me and talk Packers. No, it's it's my pleasure, man. You're right. I'm not a Packer fan, but I am a fan of really good football. And as of late, the Packers have been playing really good football. So take that as you will. Alrighty, that does it for today. Go ahead and check us out on all the socials. Make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet Podcast. Check me out on Twitter at JJ Leahy. Check out Coach Hawn at Coach Hawn. And of course, Ryan Schlipp at Pack underscore Daddy on Twitter. Make sure you get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. And do watch the video that Coach Hawn put together. Wish me luck as I head off on another trip. This time it won't be fishing, unfortunately. I gotta go do work because, you know, money. But I'll catch you all again here soon. Have a great day.